fatalities, whatever you want to call it, tonight... Diaper Don on stage. And it was one of the most bafflingly pathetic Donald Trump speeches ever. Now, to be honest, the crowd at this one seemed reasonably sized. It wasn't a very big venue, but it did seem to be full. But the crowd was dead throughout the entire speech. And more humiliating than that, old Donnie was yet again, people on Twitter found this, found wearing yet another dirty diaper, showing that for all the mockery he aims at Biden, it's really he that has the mental and physical decline that he's mocking in everybody else. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the hypocrisy of Trump and how everyone was complaining about the smell in the room uh, before and after the speech. But it was also a night where everything he was trying to do was failing. So first, he tries to attack Ron DeSantis, and the crowd doesn't bite. Mention this part, but we have to. Should I mention it? More exciting. Okay, so remember this. Ron DeSantis. Did anyone ever hear of DeSantis? DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis strongly opposed ethanol. Do you know that? And we don't even know if he's running, but I might as well tell you. If he's not running, I'll say he was fine on ethanol. Don't worry about it. He strongly opposed ethanol and fought against it at every turn, and he's going to do that again because people that come out early for something, that's where they go. That's what it is. So, you know, he may do something politically, but he was very, very bad on ethanol. He fought it all the way, and he also fought against Social Security. He wanted to decimate it and voted against it three times. Voted against Social Security. That's a bad one. A lot of people don't know that, but I think they've been finding out over the last four weeks, one of the reasons that we're zooming in the polls, perhaps. Maybe that's one, maybe it's other things, too. It's really based on what we've done, I think. And on Social Security, well, we're at it. He wanted the minimum retirement age to be lifted to people that are 70 years old, a substantial increase over what it is right now. That's a big increase. And he also voted to severely cut Medicare. I will not be Cutting Medicare, and I will not be cutting Social Security. We're leaving the age range. But you have to remember, Ron was a disciple of Paul Ryan, who is a rhino loser who currently is destroying Fox and would constantly vote against entitlements. He would just vote against, remember that, the wheelchair over the cliffs that Democrats used it. The wheelchair over the cliff commercial, very effective. That was about him. But Ryan, Paul Ryan's a big reason that Mitt Romney, I'm not a big fan of Mitt Romney, lost his election. And to be honest with you, Ron reminds me a lot of Mitt Romney. So I don't think you're going to be doing so well here, but we're going to find out. But those are the facts. But I'm proud to say. Now, again, these are Trump supporters. This is a room full of Trump fans. Many of them likely support him over DeSantis. And if the primary was today, they would be with him over DeSantis. And yet, whenever he tries to attack DeSantis there, it doesn't work. There's no booze. Not, not really, anyway. Not, not, not nearly as much as there is later on when he tries to attack, say, a Democrat or what have you. And normally when he attacks somebody and, and brands them as a rhino... He gets loud boos. He attacks McConnell later in the speech like he usually does. And he gets loud boos. And this shows that the crowd is not buying him on DeSantis. Now, DeSantis is evil. And some of the criticisms here from Trump are actually less of a lie than his usual lies. But 
it shows that his plan isn't working and that he is losing his base. Maybe not fully yet, but it's not working. And he continues with his lies here, saying something when the exact opposite is true. Because people are wise to what's been happening. What they have done, they really are a political arm of the Democrat Party. It's, it's a terrible thing. You saw, you saw last couple of weeks where the FBI and Twitter, it's called Twitter Files, where they work together and they work together with Facebook. You couldn't say anything good about Trump. And you couldn't say anything bad about Biden. They had the left. Again, I can't stress this enough. What we've learned, and again, the crowds just doesn't seem to care that much, but the Twitter was rigged in favor of Trump. He broke rules on Twitter for his entire presidency. And he was only kicked off after he literally launched a violent coup. Like that was the only thing that got him kicked off. We learned, thanks to AOC and others a few weeks ago in committee, that when Donald Trump broke a blatant rule that would mandate at least a suspension, if not an outright ban, they quietly changed the rules internally so that Donald Trump wouldn't be breaking them. When he said, go back to where you came from, to like Johan Omar or something, that's actually a bannable offense because it's, it's racism, right? You're telling a person of color to go back where they came from, it's xenophobic, it's racist. But they let him do it and they changed the rules so he could do it again. So the system is actually rigged in his favor. And it gets worse for Trump here because he tries to spread the big lie again and the room is pin drop silent. But we had a, an election that was uh, not a good situation, not good at all. You've seen a lot of the reasons for it's a disgrace. We got more votes than any sitting president in history by a lot, by millions. We got 75 million votes more. That's what they report. They say the other guy got 80. I don't think so. I don't think so. He did one hell of a job from his basement. But that's what it is. It's a very sad situation. In total, I successfully negotiated. The room is, guys, the room is dead quiet there. There's a little bit of applause, like, early on there, but, like, he tries to make the argument that I got more votes than any sitting president ever, and then, of course, the elephant in the room is, while that's true, the problem is, is in that same election, another guy beat you by millions and millions and millions of votes, and he got more votes than anyone in any presidential election ever, at least in raw vote, right? He got more votes than any president ever, any candidate ever, largely because people wanted your ass gone. And then he tries to say, ah, oh, but I don't believe, and he makes this weird noise. And he's expecting applause there, or boos of Biden. And the room is silent. Also, they can smell the diaper. We'll get to that. The, the smell in the room is apparently revolting. It's, it's fascinating, though, isn't it? Like, how quiet it is. And he, Trump's surprised, because look at the way he pauses there. Watch that clip again. Rewind a little bit. Watch it again. You can see at that moment, he, he catches himself. And he's like, oh, gee, it's like when a comedian tells a joke and, you know, the, for their rhythm, they, they have a pause baked in to their routine for a laugh. And then the laugh doesn't come. So not only is it awkward because they failed, but awkward because now they have to reset their timing. That's exactly what happened. And what's really interesting here is that Donald Trump tries to attack Biden for his senility and his decrepitness. But it's really about him. Since they're empty. They're mental institutions. They're insane asylums, a word you're not supposed to use anymore. Words you're not supposed to use. Trump like Biden. I have three words for you. 
We don't want to be caught in that predicament. So two words. Insane asylum. These are words you're not supposed to be using anymore. It's not politically incorrect. But mental institutions are being emptied out. So again, he goes on these hateful rants about how other countries are unloading their insane asylums into the United States, which is just, you know, hateful rhetoric aimed at people with disabilities. And as I've said many times before, and any expert will tell you, people with disabilities, mental and physical disabilities, are more I was making so much money with DoorDash. I wanted to earn money in my free time, but I didn't want to go out and get a boring nine to five. That's when I found out how much money my friend was making with DoorDash. There are opportunities in over 4,000 cities. Signing up was super easy. And before long, I was already making deliveries. Now, I get to make my own schedule and keep 100% of my tips. Download the DoorDash driver app and get started today. Don't buy solar panels. Seriously, there is a very good reason why we're saying this. If you're thinking about buying solar panels, don't. The U.S. government will literally buy them for you if you take 60 seconds to answer a few questions below. Hi there. If you are a homeowner in America and you wouldn't mind saving a couple thousand dollars on your electricity bill this year, then you're really going to love what the U.S. government has just announced. You see, a few days ago, the U.S. government released a new stimulus program with the goal to encourage as many Americans as possible to go solar, and that way contribute to a healthier planet. And they're giving away brand new solar panels and a Tesla Powerwall to ordinary Americans at no cost to you or your bank account. As they said, they'll even cover the cost of the installation. Plus, if that wasn't enough, you'll even be handed a $2,500 stimulus check on top of that. Which means today, in case you still haven't gone solar, you can get solar panels installed on your house without paying a single dollar whatsoever. And of course, $2,500 for being generous enough to accept that offer. Crazy, right? And all you need to do to apply is take a short survey by clicking the button below this video and answer a few questions to see if you qualify. It takes only about 60 seconds in total. So, if you'd like to start saving thousands of dollars on your electricity bill every single year, and finally generate your own power instead of relying on the grid to keep your lights on all while getting paid $2,500 to do so then click the button below this video and take a 60 second survey to see if you qualify before something gets in your way and the next thing you know your electricity bill got even higher and you just can't seem to find this video again because the program has already ended seriously don't let that happen and click the button below this video to qualify for the program while it's still available. More likely to be victims of violence than causes of it. Like, let's be really clear, right? So, like, Trump is stoking violence. His rally is like ending in violence against disabled people. Like, it did, like you know, disabled people are, are, are being harmed at these things when Trump spread these ideas that people with disabilities are inherently dangerous. But more than that, he tries to mock Biden by saying, oh, Biden's going to forget the words or something. 
and it's like donald you're the one with like you're the one who's melting away like swiss cheese in a hot sunny day and a swiss meadow or whatever you know what i mean like it's you and, and and the thing is is that before this trump was going around to like this small town island going around to businesses pretending like he cares and people spotted him in a diaper <laughs> see it too but twitter kind of had a mini blow up when they said like he's wearing a diaper there and people noticed uh you know people looked the awkwardness on the people's faces that there was a smell in the room and then you see in the actual event you know i think i think this is just before the speech you could see he's clearly has the same kind of like pant structure that he has on stage when he's often wearing a diaper and this man again like you shouldn't make fun of that 99.99 percent of the time but with Donald Trump and maybe Donald Trump only, I think there's like you, it's almost like it's turnabout is fair play. When he spends the majority of his speeches attacking Biden for being old, attacking other people for being old, attacking other people for being sick. He spent most of his life attacking women for being old and or ugly in his mind, saying they're not his type in his mind and all of that. This man is now realizing tonight, physically he's breaking down and the crowd doesn't even love him anymore. They can smell the BS, literally and figuratively. Hi, I'm Joe Brown from Accent Law Group. For years, I worked as an insurance adjuster, and now I use those experiences to help our clients fight and win against insurance companies. At Accident Law Group, results matter. Insurance companies know who the good lawyers are, and they know which lawyers are out for a quick buck on the backs of their clients. Hire the firm that gets results, not laughs. As a former insurance adjuster, I know what the insurance company's gonna do before they do it. If you're in a car accident, call Accident Law Group or find us on the web at accidentlawgroup.com. Women over 40 who poop each morning without pain or strain know how to get rid of these nasty gut bugs that cause bloating, constipation, and even unwanted weight gain. 
They just mix a simple ingredient in a glass of water right there at home, and it helps them flush out these gut bugs and release toxic poop that's been stuck in their bowels. It works even if you're 45, 55, or 65, and it only takes seven seconds to do. Now, I wish this existed earlier because my wife spent years bloated and constipated, which caused painful cramps, weight gain, and fatigue, and other health problems caused by these nasty little gut monsters. But things have changed. This natural ritual helps her effortlessly poop. Now the bloat's gone, she's enjoying her sexier, leaner figure. So I've attached the free presentation below from the doctor that created this natural ritual. So click or tap the blue button now and watch this video before it's gone for good. President Biden took swift and decisive action following the failure of Silicon Valley Bank as Donald Trump's role, direct role, in removing key regulations that would have prevented this bank failure from happening has become exposed. And can we compare the calm, thoughtful, and decisive action of President Biden to these MAGA Republicans who just seem like they're actually trying to cause more economic devastation and blaming the bank failures on things like diversity and inclusion and wokeness. Like, it is absolutely absurd. Also, Donald Trump has officially declined the Manhattan District Attorney's offer to appear before the criminal grand jury as more witnesses testify before the criminal grand jury, including Michael Cohen, who we were aware would be testifying uh, earlier today. Folks, indictments are imminent. So naturally, Donald Trump is responding by making videos of himself, calling special counsel Jack Smith, not even the Manhattan District Attorney, calling Jack Smith again, mad dog psycho and asking uh jack smith to go after obama and biden we will discuss by the way that's not the craziest video he made today we'll go through all of those videos also ron DeSantis's presidential ambitions are off to a very rocky start as he fumbled like the easiest propaganda style interview by fox they literally gave him a softball interview they had him throwing a softball with one of their <laughs> He is not ready for prime time, to say the least. And also, the Department of Justice is calling out Tucker Carlson for giving selectively edited clips on his program. And the DOJ is doing that in a recent federal court filing in Washington, D.C. We will discuss this and more here on the Midas Touch podcast. I am Ben Micellis. I'm traveling today with Brett and Jordy Micellis. Jordy rocking the Midas Touch hat. Brett, how Let's are go. you? Got a lot. Ben, I love how you just never miss a day, though. Travel, don't skip a beat, right to work for the Midas Mighty. Got to appreciate that sort of level of dedication. Man, it really seems like these Republicans, man, are like, I know they've lost it. I know that's already been a thing that's happened for a long time now, but... You see it then go extra chaotic at the moment as indictments get closer and closer. And this could very well, folks, 
be indictment week. It's not out of the realm of possibility that there is an indictment this week. So, you know, we will be watching to see what happens, whether it's this week or next week. We will see Donald Trump denying, declining to speak with the Manhattan prosecutor, with the grand jury. Big, big, big developments out in New York. And you just see that this the Republican bench, you guys, like, like they were hailing DeSantis as this sort of savior of the party. These people are not ready for the prime time. These people are in their own little MAGA bubbles. And once they escape them, they fall flat on their face every single time. Once people see them, they're like, oh, they're repulsed. I don't want anything to do with it. But we're going to dig into all that and more. Jordy, how you doing? I had a great time with you at the house. It was great seeing you with you, great hanging with you in person. How's it feel to be back in Pennsylvania? Big bro, it was great. It was great seeing the big brothers out in LA. That was awesome. Got to stay with Brett. You know, I'm I'm not over I'm not over Brett being gone. So I, in honor of me staying with Brett, I changed my background today for all those watching it. We got oh. we got a nice image of Brett right there. Ben is podcasting today from a closet, it looks like. So that just goes to show his dedication. I know how embarrassing. I'm wearing the same outfit. I'm wearing the same outfit as the photo. Oh, boy, this is we this did is, not plan this at all. I'm very excited for today's show. Ron By the way, Jordy, this isn't my closet. This is my hotel room. I mean, I'm, so I'm sorry I'm not staying in a lavish hotel room. This is <laughs> this is where I stay when I travel. My bed is right over. I have a bed right here. And that's basically the that's basically the room, Jordy. But thank Don't you. Didn't hurt my words. feelings. It's 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 totally okay. Um, and here's the thing, though, Brett, to your point about these MAGA Republicans just being repellent to Americans once they actually start to speak. That's the thing we've always been talking about. Like, Americans want normalcy. Americans want compassion. Americans want decency. We don't like seeing people get bullied. We don't like seeing people spreading hate. We don't like seeing people spreading conspiracy theories, by and large. And yes, there is now 20 or 25% of the American population that's in this MAGA Republican echo chamber, and they are fueled by hate. But by and large, there is this exhausted majority who is really, really, really just sick and tired and no longer exhausted, tired, but ready to make sure the pro-democracy coalition continues to win elections and just saying enough of this. Like, did you see over the weekend, like Paul Gosar being asked questions about uh, on right-wing propaganda TV, Gosar was asked, so do you think that the January 6th committee members are going to get arrested? Like, are you going to recommend that in Congress? Like the fact that that's even a question in the right-wing echo chamber, but then Paul Gosar, who is a leader, in the Republican Party, let's be clear. He's not a fringe figure. Him and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're not right. fringe figures. Right. They are they are leaders. Let's look at what he said. Play this clip. Same with Liz Cheney. Is there a chance that you guys could prosecute certain members of Congress or former members of Congress over the January 6th? I, I, I would not uh, leave it at just that. I think there's also military that are involved. Right. And I think that their you know, heads have to roll. Otherwise, you condone this uh, lawlessness, and that's what America sees. We see lawlessness in Chicago. We see lawlessness on our border. We see lawlessness everywhere, and that's part of the precipitating actions that Congress is, is allowed. What about the guy asking the question? Yo, so like, what do you think, bro? About uh, should, 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 should we be prosecuting? Should we be prosecuting Cheney, bro? What do you think? 
nuts. It's all such a ridiculous and scary sort of thing to watch. It's just so weird. It's it's a weird fascist echo chamber. Paul Gosar clearly not physically or mentally well, by the way, as well. I mean, you watch that. You don't have to watch it without sound. But if you watch it without sound, you see even more that there is something seriously wrong with him that he is hiding from the public that doesn't excuse his actions. I, I just, you know, it has to be pointed out. But you have this guy who's from the Gateway Pundit, which is a fake news, uh, far right news source asking the question. And this is the Republican Party in a microcosm, if you will. You have a guy, everything that is reality is flipped on its head in the MAGAverse. Everything that they do is designed to just flood the zone with endless amounts of disinformation and lies. And it's lies in the pursuit of fascism in silencing their political enemies, who in this case are the investigators who are investigating a domestic terrorist attack on the United States of America, because in the Republican mind, in the rotted MAGA brain that you see here of Paul Gosar, the people who attacked the Capitol, the people who attacked the United States of America, those are the heroes. And the people who tried to prevent the attack of January 6th are the villains in his mind and are the criminals and they should be locked up. It is very, very, very Putin-esque. And we're gonna see this though in all aspects of our society. And that might be ridiculous and out of left field, but Republicans use those sorts of lies and disinformation to fuel problems in the country that have real world effects on your life. And we'll get into that as we talk about their reaction to the Silicon Valley bank collapse, but it's the same tactic. I just want you to note, it's the same Putin-esque disinformation tactic designed to destabilize and destroy the United States of America. And speaking of like Americans wanting normalcy, like I showed you Paul Gosar, who is a leader. Let's show you a clip of the cult leader. Like this is the videos that Donald Trump is actually making today. He is spending today making videotapes of himself calling the federal prosecutor who is investigating him a mad dog psycho and requesting that the mad dog psycho go after Obama and Biden. And Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. He, he is, unquestionably. Who the current Republican Party today is today is led by Donald Trump. Here, just play this clip from earlier. Mad Dog Psycho Prosecutor Jack Smith. Sounds like a very innocent name, doesn't it? Put there for only one reason by Biden and the weaponized Justice Department should stop this witch hunt altogether or at a minimum should give Biden, Obama, and everybody else the same treatment as they give me. Because we have two sets of justice in our country and the people won't stand for it. I mean, just such a whiny victim mentality by him. And then he goes, Jack how about that dog? How about that dog whistle there? When he goes, Jack Smith, such a, such a nice name. Well, we one of the it, things that he goes and talks about, and you have to give kind of the broader context, though, is he always claims that Jack Smith's name is a fake name. And the dog whistle that Donald Trump is giving to his base is that Jack Smith is actually like a, a fake name that Jack Smith uses because Jack Smith really has a Jewish last name. And that's the dog whistle right there. But when he goes, that sounds like a like an innocent name. I mean, just the fact that he's even saying those words is so bizarre. And then he makes another video like he made a series of videos today and in the next video 
he calls for mental competency tests. Mind you, what really should, the test that should occur is everybody should have to get a security clearance if you want to be a president. I, I really feel that way. He would fail every security clearance in, in a, he wouldn't even be able to take a security clearance test, yet alone pass a security clearance test. Jared Kushner, of course, failed the security clearance, yet he was given all of our classified and top secret information, which he then gave to the Saudis and other foreign governments so that Kushner could get bailed out of his bankruptcies. Like, that's another thing. Thing that our government should actually be investigating when we're talking about weaponization and corruption. Let's look straight in the face of Jared Kushner and Ivanka. But the other video that Donald Trump made, I guess, as it's very clear to him that he's going to be indicted. He goes, we need a mental competency exam. I, I, I did great on my mental competency exam. Remember when I said man, woman, person? Remember, I would do even better. on But just the fact that he's saying this, like how... Isn't it 100% of Americans who watch what I'm about to show you and go, the hell is that? I mean, it's 65, 70%. It's growing to 75%. But how is there still 30 or 25% of people who look at that and go, that's a that's a, someone who I want to lead me. That's, that's someone who I want to uh, get me through these very difficult times. Here, play this clip. In my mind, anybody running for the office of president of the United States should agree to take a full and complete mental competency test simultaneously or before with the announcement that he or she is running and likewise, but to a somewhat lesser extent, agree to a test which would prove that you are physically capable of doing the job as president. Being an outstanding president requires great mental acuity and physical stamina and strength. If you don't have these qualities or traits, it is likely that you will not succeed and you will disappoint the entire world, let alone our own country. We need to make America great again. Take a competency test. Let's see whether or not these people that are running for office are competent. I took the test two years ago and I aced it. And I'd love to take it again because I think I'd even do better. Some weird stuff, man. I mean, that is a mental competence. Watching those videos should be a mental competence. Yeah, that's I, I am ruling. I am ruling right now. Incompetent, incompetent, incompetent. And let's also, in addition to the person, woman, man, camera, TV part of the exam, uh, I just want to refresh people's memories of the interview with Chris Wallace that Trump did, while as he was bragging about this test, and Chris Wallace called him out on it, and he goes, "That test, it asked you." to name what an elephant is. <laughs> Showed you a picture of an elephant and said, what is this? This is the test you're bragging about? And Trump's like, oh, it was very hard. It was, I, I bet not a lot of people. They're like, it asked you what a giraffe was. It, asked, it showed you a picture of a giraffe and said, what is this? Here's an image I'll show to the viewers, but it's really Come like on. the most basic. Like, <laughs> Which like, one is on. an alligator? <laughs> this is what he's bragging about two years later. Two years later, he's bragging about passing this. I mean, this is just outrageous. To even brag about this test is incompetent. But Ben, I know Trump didn't stop there. Trump with the back against the wall. He's going on a rampage today of making these short clips. He just locked himself in whatever we deranged basement in Mar-a-Lago where he records these things and he's dude just been on a tear where did he go next well the next he talked about uh, going after the uh, he went after the prosecutors that the real issue here is that there are all of these that these prosecutors are 
racist in reverse and that the reason that he is being investigated and likely going to be indicted by Alvin Bragg is because Alvin Bragg is a racist in reverse. And that's why Donald Trump is being prosecuted, not because Donald Trump broke the law. These are videos he's making. Play this clip. Crooked Democrat prosecutors, many of them racists in reverse. They are absolute racists, are trying to steal a second presidential election. They did it in 2020, and we're not going to let them do it again in 2024. Make America great again. Buddy, can you turn the lights on, too, in that room also? <laughs> like, like is, is, is he trying to, like, look at the fascist playbook and just make the thing look as, like, ominous as possible? You know, it's so dark in the room, you can almost only see his teeth. It's, 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 it's so intentional, Ben. You you got to understand, the guy is not going to look great with good lighting on his face. I mean, that that that's ultimately I want you to why. Make it, I want you to make it as dark as possible. <laughs> I want no one to be able to see me. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with Mad Dog Psycho. I'm gonna make a video about Mad Dog Psycho. And then I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go into talking about racist in reverse. Let me hit that. Okay. Right, you ready? Racist in reverse prosecutors. All right, where do we go next? Where do we go next? Mental competency exam. Got to hit the mental competency. And then where do I go next? Let's talk about uh, Trump derangement syndrome. Let me make a new video on that. All right, you ready? Three, two, one, Trump derangement syndrome. Right, play this video where he talks about Trump derangement syndrome. Massive and unprecedented prosecutorial misconduct due to Trump derangement syndrome and very, very big leads against both parties in the polls. That's what's causing it. We can't let it happen. It's illegal as can be. We're going to stop it. We're not going to let them win elections by using the law illegally. Thank you. The law illegally. I by mean, the way, he, he, he can't speak. He doesn't speak well, right? So it's like you don't know where to put that punctuation. And so it just sounds like a confession there that, that he's going to use the law legally so that Democrats can't can win election. That's what it, that's what that actually sounds like when you listen to it. He's so close to being right on some of these videos because he goes, we have a two tier justice system where you have justice for some. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Except you're the one who's been evading justice all this time. And now it's time for you to pay the price. And look, the reason he's making these videos of himself is that it was a very busy day uh, in the Manhattan grand jury. Um, we started off with the knowledge that Donald Trump uh, has turned down the invitation to uh, speak before the grand jury, which is usually the precursor to a criminal indictment. Then we learned about Michael Cohen. By the way, we're going to have Michael Cohen tomorrow on, of course, Political Beatdown, which I co-host with him. So I'm excited to get as much as he is able to share with us. But we're going to talk more about what took place in the Manhattan grand jury uh, later on this episode. But Brett, where I want to start off talking about, though, too, is you talked about how everything in the MAGAverse is like done in reverse. It's like the upside down world where up is down and down is up and so when you think about this law that MAGA Republicans uh, passed in 2018 the 115th Congress that's when the Republicans controlled the House Republicans controlled the Senate Republicans controlled the White House and so could they one of the things Trump was saying was I'm going to pass the greatest health care bill. It's going to be better than Obamacare. Well, by the way, if you could come up with something better than Obamacare, 
That'd be great, right, Brett? Jordy, I mean, like, we're we're good with that. I I want you to do that. Oh, good. I'd I'd be supportive of that plan. Um, I'm gonna make the infrastructure the best you've ever seen. Just give me two more weeks. I I would support that. All the Democrats said they would support that. And by the way, you controlled every single. You controlled the Senate. You controlled the House. You controlled the White House. So it would have been very easy to pass an infrastructure plan. To be fair, I think it's still coming easy. in two weeks. I think it's still coming in two weeks. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. It would be very easy to pass it. By the way, though, I would have been supportive of it. I would not have been. Oh, it's Trump, so I'm against infrastructure. I would have been like, "That's a smart, savvy move. We support that." But what was their shining piece of legislation? Well, there's two, right? One was the tax cuts, which got a lot of publicity for billionaires. Let's make sure that billionaires can get more jets and write off more private jets and write off all write off everything. Like, let's just give all the benefits to the billionaires and let's screw the middle class and the working class. And I just remember that signing ceremony where all of them were just clapping as they screwed over their base. They screwed over the working class and middle class people who they, you know, claim to appeal to. And I, and, and, and I was like, oh, don't you know you're just being played by these people? Um, but that is, you know, one of their major pieces of legislation. And then their other big piece of legislation that they announced publicly, but I guess it got a little bit of less fanfare, was the signing of Senate Bill 2155, which was referred to as the Economic Growth Regulatory Relief and Consumer Protection Act. So when I say everything's in reverse, it did the opposite of economic growth. It did the opposite of causing regulatory relief. And it did the opposite of causing consumer protection. That's for sure. It certainly did the opposite of causing consumer protection. And look, back in 2007, 2008, during the financial crisis, there is a reason why ultimately emerging from that crisis, there was critical legislation that was passed. The Dodd-Frank Act, which was enacted to create stress tests and other regulatory supervision, specifically of regional banks and local banks, banks just like Silicon Valley Bank, to address them from incurring too much risks. And to the extent the risk was identified as part of the regulatory scheme, there could be early intervention so that it could avoid well in advance any type of bank run from occurring. It was the exact reason why you had Dodd-Frank enacted at this point about 15 years ago, right? It was to address this point. And then when Donald Trump came into office, his crowning piece of legislation was to basically slam Dodd-Frank and to go all in on removing all of those regulations which were not put in place because Democrats are like, we love regulations. Let's throw more regulations, right? No, it's because we learn, right? We learn from history and go, you know what? That caused the crisis. If we had done this, we could have avoided it. And so I think we even have, so because you really can't understand what took place with the Silicon Valley bank failure unless you understand that it is existing in this post-Trump regulatory scheme. And then some people go, oh, and I want to address this. Well, why couldn't Biden, by an executive order, just remove the law that Trump passed in this video? Because it's a law. It's not an executive order. One of the executive's orders that Biden did implement 
was to come up with the plan to eventually overrule what Donald Trump did, but Republicans have the filibuster. So because of the uh, filibuster, you have to come up with what your priorities are in terms of what legislation you want to pass. Biden passed a lot of historic um, uh, legislation. I mean, a lot of laws were enacted, but that one just wouldn't, based on the filibuster, that feasibly could not be implemented, and it couldn't be implemented via an executive order. And Trump was able to implement it because he controlled all of the various branches. And by removing regulations, you're able to then basically classify it as deficit neutral, which is not an accurate characterization because it doesn't show the future impact that something like this is going to cause. And then ultimately, if you say, hey, I want to I want to put in a regulation because it would technically increase the deficit on paper or increase the debt. It triggers the ability to filibuster it and not get around the filibuster. So I know that's technical, but I do want to address that because, you know, people are like, well, why didn't Biden fix it? To me, I don't know what you think, Brett. The very fact that that question's asked is like, okay, so why didn't I? Trump created the problem, though. Like, let's be very clear. Like, why, why didn't we put out the fires that he created? Just play this signing, Brett, and I want you, then, if you can, to kind of break down in layman's terms what took place with SVP. The legislation I'm signing today rolls back the crippling Dodd-Frank regulations that are crushing community banks and credit unions nationwide. They were in such trouble. One size fits all. Those rules just don't work. And community banks and credit unions should be regulated the same way. And you have to really look at this. They should be regulated the same way with proviso for safety as in the past when they were vibrant and strong. But they shouldn't be regulated the same way as the large, complex financial institutions. And that's what happened. And they were being put out of business one by one. And they weren't lending. Since its passage in 2010, Dodd-Frank has dealt a huge blow to community banking. As a candidate, I pledged that we would rescue these community banks from Dodd-Frank, the disaster of Dodd-Frank. And now we are keeping that commitment and all of the people with me are keeping that commitment. We passed and signed a record number of bills terminating job-killing regulations in the history of our country. No president, whether it's four years, eight years, or 16 years in one case, has ever passed more regulation cuts. So that's what they're bragging about. Of course, we talked on the other episode about how Trump removed regulations regarding railroad safety. Their main policy was removing things to make people safer. And so it's the arsonists who then, I guess they want to claim that they want to then be the fire fighters. Not even that, though. They're like, hey, we're the arsonists. Can you give us more fire? <laughs> what do you think, Brett? Can you break down what, what happened at SVB in, in, in the most basic terms? Yeah. And first, I'll just say, you know, I think this is going to be happening to our country now, unfortunately, for years, if not decades. I think Donald Trump laid a ton of landmines in those four years and done untold did untold damage to our nation. And we will see it continue to 
pop up like this. Like it's going to keep happening because the damage was so precise and it spans all these various industries and it affects people on a very granular level. I mean, Trump had a policy that he was pushing. I, I remember you guys remember when Trump would go for every one regulation that's added, two regulations need to be cut. I mean, sounds good on a bumper sticker, but you got to realize a lot of these regulations are here for a reason. These regulations were put here in response yep. to the 2008-2009 financial crisis. These regulations were here for a reason. So instead of just indiscriminately saying all regulations are bad, we need to chop down. Remember that footage we showed of the Trump uh, of the train regulations that he cut when he showed the, the visual was him taking a big scissor and cutting the ribbon in between mm -hmm. the regulations yep. in the year. Uh, what, what when was that from 2018? Cutting right. that back to 1960 standards. Guess what? We've made a lot of stride since 1960 there are a lot of regulations that have put in there that have made this country a lot safer we've learned a lot of things so now let's get into the nitty-gritty of svp and this is a real high level view of the situation so it won't be all the details but i hope that it's enough that you guys can kind of understand a little bit of, of what's going on here so for the record svb silicon valley bank it's like the silicon valley bank it's the bank that is the go-to for tech companies. When VCs, when venture capitals invest in tech companies, they usually require that the companies invest their money in SVP. It's a very popular tech bank. And so they recently, as everybody pr probably knows by now, just became the largest bank to fail since the 2008 financial crisis. They're a, a, a regional bank. They had a ton of cash at first because they were a tech company and tech was growing at a rapid rate. Then these VCs would get their money put into the bank. So they, they had a ton of cash. They had a lot of money. What they decided to do with the money was not all that controversial. They decided to put it in treasury bonds, which should be a stable, modest investment that produces modest returns. And they did that while interest rates were low, thinking that interest rates would be low kind of forever. But it turns out that thinking was a little bit short term because when the Fed raised rates, the bonds became worthless, which wouldn't normally be an issue. But the problem is SVP would have to wait for those bonds to mature over a long period of time before they could take that money out without penalty. It wasn't liquid at this point, but because of the slowdown in the tech center in, in, in the tech sector, deposits started slowing to the bank. Clients started withdrawing their money and the bank started to run out of money. And so in response to this, the parent company of SVP said it would undertake a 2.25 billion share sale after selling $21 billion of securities from its portfolio. And they would be taking a $2 billion loss in the process. And so they were doing this to try to get more liquid cash. We need more cash, right? But this had the effect of terrifying people who invested in the banks and terrifying the VCs who invested in the banks. And so panic spread, which ultimately led to a run on SVP. And this all kind of happened kind of over Slack chats and over Twitter of these tech people all kind of freaking out about what was going on SVP. And if they kind of just sat there and did nothing and, and didn't panic, nothing would have happened, but they kind of instigated this run on the bank. And SVB was not prepared to handle it. And the person who sparked this call was actually Peter Thiel. 
Peter Thiel, as you know, is a he's a far right venture capitalist who funds a ton of tech companies, huge guy in the tech industry. He also helped bankroll a lot of these campaigns and super PACs for these far right candidates during the uh, 2022 elections. Like Blake Masters was his guy. That was that was Peter Thiel's guy. But Peter Thiel and his company, his fund, they started to tell all their companies that they managed the money for to pull their money out of the bank while they could. They sounded the alarm. And so these companies started pulling their money out of the bank. And so what happened? The bank went under virtually overnight. So Peter Thiel's founder fund, which is a fund made up of a lot of startups, it's it's a very big fund, um, by telling all these founders, this is what's been reported, that, hey, the moment uh, that SVB... um, offer to sell additional shares in it and take this significant loss. Hey, get your money out of there. What the reporting is, is that because of how big the founders fund is, that when those uh, companies withdrew, it then really kind of started this cascade. And then Brett, to your point, um, the environment on Twitter generally right now, without disinformation being filtered, um, is such that there was through Twitter pretty much being spread this widespread panic about Silicon Valley Bank. And normally in the past, when it was run by mature people who had standards about disinformation, spreading disinformation could lead to being banned. That's not a censorship of free speech. It's let's use a platform responsibly. Um, But in this kind of current environment, there was a lot of disinformation that spread on Twitter. And by the way, you don't have to take that from me. You could take that from the Republican chair of the Financial Services Committee um, who put out a statement. And in that statement, um, this is by Chairman McHenry, Republican, Patrick McHenry, who said today, House Financial Services Committee, uh, Patrick McHenry issued the following statement. After the Federal Reserve, Treasury Department of Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation announced actions regarding Silicon Valley Bank, quote, this was the first Twitter fueled bank run. At this time, it is important to remain level-headed and look at the facts, not speculation, when assessing the right path forward. I have confidence in our financial regulators and protections already in place to ensure the safety and soundness of our financial system. And look, this is a moment, and Brett and Jordy, I want to get your take on it. McHenry's right. I don't want to criticize. There's a lot of other areas where I'll criticize McHenry, but it is a time to be level-headed. And so on the one hand, we can compare... The level-headedness, I think, of which President Biden addressed this. And let's Mm -hmm. compare it to DeSantis, and let's compare it to what Fox is saying in a moment. But I will criticize Republicans where criticism is due, which is often a lot. But that statement was the right statement to make. Yeah, no, 100%. That was the right statement to make. And the most important thing that you could have is somebody level-headed at the helm dealing with the issue. But what you had over the weekend, especially on social media, were these panicked, all-caps tweets from these far-right venture capitalists on Twitter. You know, one of the funny things that I keep seeing from a lot of these MAGA Republicans out there is they go, the liberal VCs of, of, of San Francisco, the liberal Silicon Valley. This, this. I'm like, have you ever talked to anybody who works in Silicon Valley? Have you ever talked to any <laughs> of these venture point. capitalists? They're not really liberal on the whole. 
they're very libertarian. They're all kind of like Elon Musk's, if I'm generalizing here. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of like Elon Musk-style people. And these were the people who were going absolutely nuts over the weekend because one of the things that they kind of didn't mention but was very obvious is that they had invested a lot of money in a lot of these companies who use the bank because they required them to use this bank. So they were scared that they were going to take a hit with all these actions and they were trying to in fact scare people trying to stoke bank runs trying to pressure the biden administration to do things criticizing them before they even did anything there was the most outside most insane panic on the on the planet and you know there's there's a phrase which you know you may have heard whether you agree with it or not but there, there's a saying that goes there are no atheists in foxholes the the complimentary the complimentary statement to that in this case would be there are no libertarians in a bank run so as the bank run is happening these libertarians who for all this time we're going, no government, get away, no regulation, we don't want it, government, stay out of Silicon Valley. We're the first ones to go, you have to do something right now, 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 it's Saturday, this just happened 30 minutes ago. Where's Why the isn't the government intervening? Government, intervene. Um, weren't you the same people back when uh, when the law was in being introduced, S2155, and you said <laughs> government, get out, and now you want the government back in, now you like Dodd-Frank? I mean, but look, I think Biden did the right thing here. Biden absolutely did not give a bailout to the banks, but Biden gave relief to the depositors. And that's a big difference. You know, if you were a shareholder or if you were an executive at the bank, and by the way, we need to look into a lot of the trading behavior of those executives at Silicon oh, Valley, definitely. you know, who, who coincidentally, and I put it on in air quotes, sold a lot of <laughs> shares over the past few weeks. But wow. those people are not getting a bailout here. And in fact, Biden said, we need to investigate people who engaged in wrongdoing at every level. But Biden said people who innocently deposit money at a bank which is supposed to be a risk-free proposition, deserve to have the money that they put into a bank. When you put money into a bank, you're not engaging in high-risk speculatory securities, okay? You're putting your money in a bank deposit, and you expect to be able to withdraw that amount of money. But it didn't stop anybody. What were you going to say, Brett? Because, like, I was going to say, to your point, you know, I, I saw a lot of criticism over the decision that Biden made from both the right, from the Marjorie Taylor Greene types and the Lauren Boebert types, two people on the left. And when I saw this, I just really didn't understand it. I, I mean, I think first we have to acknowledge there were no popular decisions that Biden could make here. It was either let people lose all their money, let these businesses right. lose all their money or protect them. And I think Biden took a nuanced approach, which is not a taxpayer funded anything, which is not a bailout to the shareholders, which is not bailout the executives, but that secures the money for depositors. I mean, just think about when you put your money in the bank. You assume that the money you put in the bank will be there tomorrow. That is the crux of our entire financial system. Of course, that needs to be protected. This is where these startup businesses kept their money for payroll. So just think about the consequences if they are unable to access that money for their payroll. Think of the working families who work for these startups who then aren't able to receive a paycheck because they are mm -hmm. not able to access their money in the bank. So I think it's easy 
I think it's really easy to try to be like, oh, this is the VC douchebags. They're getting their, they're getting the bailout. And why is it, why, why, why do they deserve anything? But this is really much larger than that. And I know people will be like, oh, you know, I, 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 I could already see the comments coming in of, of people who would be like, but they knew that it was insured by the FDIC up to $250,000. They should have known that the money above 250K wasn't insured. I mean, if you want to be super technical, sure. I mean, I will concede that. But these are businesses which, with large payrolls. And your solution to that, I guess, is, well, they should have opened up like 10 different bank accounts, which is just completely impractical as a business. Like, we just need to be practical here about what these businesses are doing. And at the end of the day, this is absolutely the right move. Help the depositors. Make sure people know that when you put your money into a bank, that you are going to have it the following day. It shouldn't just go and vanish. Now, if you tried to buy stock in that company and the company failed, that's on you. If you were an executive in the company, that's on you. And let's push for more regulations. Let's push for accountability. Let's look into the stock trades of the executives who cashed out coincidentally just weeks before. Let's look into the CEO of the bank, Gregory Becker, who sold 11% of his shares on February 27th, about $3.6 million worth of stock. Let's look into their counsel, Michael Zucker, who sold 19% of their stock on February 5th. Let's look into their CFO, Daniel Beck, who sold 32% of their, his stock on February 27th. Wow. Michael, Michelle Draper, the CMO, who sold 25% of her stock on February 1st. Let's look into all that. Let's push for more regulations, but let's not leave working people who work for these businesses on the hook. And it also affects, you know, like, for example, like Etsy is one of their partnerships. Like Etsy has to do business, you know, when you buy stuff on Etsy, those are a lot of small businesses, people who are working out of their homes, people trying mm -hmm. to sell products. If all of a sudden they don't have a bank where they could process their transactions and, and fund the entire entity, then those small businesses go under too, and it could have a catastrophic effect at large. So I think we need to all take a more nuanced approach here. I think out of all the bad options, because there really was no like – this is great. Everyone's going to be happy. I think Biden took the steady option. Biden took the correct approach here. And truthfully, the only option that was even on the table that, that he could even take. Brett, 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 that was that was an incredible breakdown. That was honestly the best breakdown I've heard on this. Ben, you too. I, I wanted to sit this one out intentionally and have you guys explain it because quite candidly, this one was over my head. And so I, I needed that breakdown. And I have not heard it explained in that level of detail. So, so kudos to y'all there. Well, and the Mc, really McHenry statement, real quick, the McHenry statement, I mean, he's obviously being called the rhino left and right, right, by, by these MAGA Republicans. I mean, that's such a rhino move, McHenry. I mean, I just hope that, you know, I know I'm not going to hold my breath here, folks. But, you know, I, I hope these people who are freaking out over the weekend, like the you know, David Sachs of the world, who is like someone who's very close with Elon Musk and, and, and whatnot, who are freaking out and stoking panic and demanding that the government help depositors in some way. I hope that they see that the Democrats and Biden actually stepped up to help depositors. And on the whole, the Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene are calling this a woke liberal bailout of the woke elite and, and are just throwing it in their face. Like these are the people you support. Just, re just remember that. Like mm -hmm. you may like to pretend that you're a libertarian and you don't need the government or whatever but when push comes to shove guess what you came begging and democrats and biden actually saved your ass did you also coin that libertarian bank phrase brett the bank run did you coin that phrase just now i, 
I've I've kind of been seeing it going around. I you, you know I knew, it. It was a great I, phrase. I, I knew the other phrase, but it's just so apt to what we are what we are seeing today. I I understand libertarian ideology, you know, in its purest form. Like I understand the sentiment behind it. It sounds great, you know, get the government off my back, let ever let everybody just you know do what they want. But the reality is, when push comes to shove, there's a reason why the government is there to act as a failsafe in case things go wrong. And we have to acknowledge that there is a place for government to help people, and this is one such place right here. And look, let, let's just compare the level-headedness of Biden to what the Republicans are saying. I mean, look, this is the this is the head of the House Oversight Committee, Chairman James Comer, and uh, uh, Comer's a MAGA Republican. And just watch what he says about what he believes caused this. And then we see now coming out that uh, they were one of the most woke banks in uh, their in their quest for uh, the ESG type uh, type policy and investing. You know, 